welcome back to What the Fertility. Today we have with us Leanne Hale, author of the book, Sewing in Tears, A Mother's Sorrow and Infertility and Joy in Adoption. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to hear your infertility journey as well as adoption. So if you want to go ahead and just kind of kick off and start telling us your journey. Well, first of all, I want to say I feel very inadequate to be um, a guest on your show. Listening to your episodes, I if I have learned one thing, I've learned that I was a very ignorant infertility patient. I did not speak in the fancy infertility acronyms that you guys all use. I don't know what they, I didn't know what they meant back then and I don't know what they meant, mean now. So <laughs> go ahead and adjust your expectations and uh, I will try sound somewhat intelligent so I don't scare your listeners away. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so the LMH, the A, I'm like, what are these people talking? I don't even know what that right. means. I'm sure I have those levels too, but I don't know. I spoke in terms like numbers look good. Numbers look bad. So. <laughs> well, well, to your point, so you started trying in 2014, which like, yes, that, it just wasn't talked about. Yeah, yeah no, it wasn't. It, it was swept under the rug. Infertility was just like a private Thing. We didn't even share with our parents, to be honest, when we first like got the diagnosis. It was all just something that my husband and I kind of experienced, just the two of us. So yeah, that is a good point. So in 2014, yes, we started trying um, very naively. I thought, you know, we're just going to magically get pregnant the first time we try. That's what happens in all the movies. That seems to be what happens in real life. And um, I was teaching at the time. I had it all planned out. You know, I'd be pregnant through the summer. Um, it would be my last year of teaching. In the fall, I'd have a baby and be a stay-at-home mom. It was a great plan. It was a wonderful plan. <laughs> um, but since I'm a guest on your infertility podcast, obviously things did not go as planned at all. Um, we ended up trying for a year um, with no success. And that was on our own, not with any help. And you know, a quick Google search will tell you, oh, six months to a year, you know, seek help. I don't, whether that's right or wrong, you know, that's just kind of what we did. So um, a year later brought us to 2015 and I had an appointment with my OB and I got um, what I call a mixed diagnosis. The first thing I was told was unexplained infertility. And then later on by infertility specialists, I was told PCOS. Um, the most common thing that they all said was that this was a great problem. They were like, this is the best problem to come to us with. Um, it can be easily fixed. Mm -hmm. I never have had a doctor tell me that I couldn't get pregnant. Um, so I was pretty hopeful at that. It, they sounded encouraging, which made me feel kind of at ease. I thought, you know, Give me some of that Clomid. I'll pop out some <laughs> yeah. twins because that's, that's what I'm reading. We're, we're going to be a twin family here. This is going to be great. Um, but yeah, three rounds of Clomid and then three rounds of IUI all resulted in negative pregnancy test after negative pregnancy test. So that was kind of our infertility, you know, as it went very hopeless feeling very just because like I said we didn't tell anybody I mean even in the IUIs our parents didn't know our friends didn't know and during that time I'm sure people us. are asking like when are you guys gonna have kids oh definitely yeah. yes 
all the say, time. Yeah. I will say selfishly, I think I shared so early on because like, I didn't want to have to answer those questions. I wanted people to be like, Oh, <laughs> you no, know, that's and, great. I, looking back, that would have been very smart to do. Again, if it was 2015, <laughs> right. I probably, you know, it's not as common to share publicly, but yeah. Um, so, okay. So you tried for a year and then the three medicated cycles and the three IUIs, did that ended up being like six months or was it kind of spaced out over another year? Um, it was probably about another year. Yeah. That all of that lasted. Cause I, I guess at our point, like we didn't want to tell people cause we were like, Oh, it's going to happen. You know, each round of IUI was sure. very successful. My numbers kept, like I said, looked good, you know, looked good. <laughs> They kept saying they're looking good. And I was just like, well, we can just surprise our family. You know, we can surprise our friend. Like, we don't need to tell them the bad stuff. We'll just be excited with a pregnancy announcement. And that's kind of where our thinking that makes, is. You yeah. Know? And that makes perfect sense. And I'm only going to share this on the podcast because it's literally on the back of your book. But yeah. <laughs> in, in, in your book, you know, you go through all of the infertility piece. And I obviously know why you switched from instead of just trying IVF, you know, or that would be your next step. moving in, moving into adoption. Um, and I think I really resonated that with that because for me, right, we did one round of IVF and it was a little bit further than you guys went in terms of like the big treatment, but instead of just a lot of people do a second round. And for me, I was like, no, like I want to do, I want to adopt. I don't, I don't want to pursue this anymore. So could you kind of tell either your story or speak on how you shifted mindsets? Yeah. So around that time, Um, I just remember God constantly bringing adoption to my thoughts to the point of annoyance. I will say it would often be when I was trying to sleep, I'd be thinking about adoption or driving to and from work. Adoption would be on my mind. And I need to preface that by saying adoption was never something I pictured for my life. Like nothing that we ever talked about, um, in our dating relationship or when we got married, um, and it's a little difficult for me to talk about now, but I, since writing my book, I've learned that, you know, full transparency is just, that's where you're going to meet people. If, if you just sugarcoat everything, it's, it takes, it gets you nowhere and it doesn't help other people either. So in sharing our messy parts, I feel like that's how God can get the whole glory for what he's done in our family, honestly. So I love that you shared that and I didn't want to share it immediately, but the very first words on the back of the <laughs> book are, I hated the thought of adoption. And then you kind of write, you know, into it saying you're cringing, typing at the sentence. And at the very yeah. end, it's like, no, I hated adoption for my family. And then you're like, that's not much better. And yeah. I really resonated with that so much. And Amanda, having gone through embryo adoption, I, I don't know your thoughts on that, but I definitely resonated with writing like our adoption profile book. I wasn't one of those people that was like, yeah, I've always wanted to adopt since I was exactly. seven years yeah. old. Yeah. I don't have that cute story. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think any of us, us three, no. that was the way it was going to go for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that said messy part coming up. I remember uh, specifically at that time, um, praying a very selfish prayer to God on more than one occasion. And I just basically prayed, you know, God, don't make me adopt. Don't, don't let our family go through it. It was great for all the people who did it. I genuinely thought adoption was a wonderful thing, but I was like, God, this is not for us. Don't, don't lead me to this. And then I would try to reason with him. Like you spoke the world into being, you created the world with the sound of your voice. Making me pregnant would be like nothing for you. Just, just do that. That would be so easy for you, God. It's a great idea. Just listen to me. Um, and. All I can say is when I prayed selfishly, 
God decided to bless mercifully. And that is really the only way that I can say how he changed and transformed my heart and ultimately how he grew our family. Um, so there was obviously a series of events leading to adoption and, you know, this is a 40 minute podcast, so I can't go into all those details, but, um, we did start the adoption journey. Um, and I want to be really clear that once we decided on adoption, it was never a second choice. I feel like I always have to say this and make sure people fully understand that adoption was what we wanted 100% once we finally made that decision. It wasn't um, an infertility band-aid. It wasn't a second best option. Um, I had really just gotten to the point where I was so frustrated with myself for not seeing the beauty in adoption and not just seeing that this was the path um, God had for us, really. Yeah, I can, yeah, I definitely, I mean, I, I personally feel the same way because you get so passionate about adoption yes. and you're like this, like you become as passionate about adoption as you were about doing your IUIs exactly, or about getting that positive pregnancy test. So yeah. I'm curious because my husband was not on the same page as me in the beginning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can you, were you guys pretty much on the same page so, when no. decided? Oh, once we decided, yes, but my husband was on board for adoption much earlier than I was. He was like, this, this would be a great route, you know, to take. And I just, it took me so much longer to get to that point. Um, and I guess just for a, this kind of a rabbit trail, but just for a side note for people struggling with infertility who end up going, um, the adoption path, I really do think it is so important to grieve your infertility first because, I mean, infertility is awful. It's something you never think you have to deal with until you deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a roller coaster ride that no one understands unless they've walked. I would say even to this day, my husband even doesn't fully understand what I went through. And that's certainly not for lack of trying on his part, but it's like, I just can't, you can't explain it unless you've walked it. So there's a lot of healing that has to happen in your heart before you jump on another very emotional build oh. roller coaster ride, like in this case, adoption. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that was a rabbit trail, but that's just got my two cents going into that, like grieve your infertility because it's real. It's painful. It's yeah, no, that's I mean, so important too, because if you don't, then all of that stuff is still going to come up at some point. Definitely. So then yeah. you wanted to come up as you're going, like you said, I mean, adoption is so emotional and like you're yes. so vulnerable and it's a whole process in itself. Mm -hmm. so you don't want all of that to also come up while you're going through it. So right. such a great. And Leanne, I don't know if you ran into this with your home study provider, but that's something that they really look at when they come and do your home study. You know, they kind of pull the partners aside asking and ask, the questions. ask yeah. a bunch of questions and like they'll, at least for my husband, they're like, okay, so you guys just had, you know, six miscarriages and it wasn't that long ago. And they, they dig and they, they asked that exact They question. dug in that. Yeah. For us, I know. And I don't know if it works like this with, um, like traditional adoption, obviously, cause ours was an embryo adoption, but we had to go to counseling and we had to get it signed off by a counselor. Chris and I both that we were basically like 
sound mine. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Could, um, pers- like continue to pursue the process, like, cause we had to have lawyers and everything involved. Okay. Um, and so we had to have a counselor sign off on it for us at least. Well, that probably wasn't a bad idea. To no, be I mean, it was you know, great. it's like, it was yeah, helpful yeah, helpful. Yeah. Process everything as well. So, right. Yeah. Um, so then it brought us to 2016. We started the adoption process. We were told basically at that point, you know, one to three years of a wait. Um, we got our paperwork done in like record time. So we decided on adoption in July. We couldn't be seen with the agency until August, but then in September, all of our stuff was done. At that point, we were just waiting on social worker and agency to do their stuff. And October 25th, we were officially considered active or a waiting family, um, meaning our profiles could be shown to expectant mothers. And I really figured that's where the one to three years would kind of start of waiting. But going into it, it was such a different weight. I will say it was not, I would consider my infertility a dreadful weight. I just, I hated it because it just kept giving me negative, 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 negative. And with adoption going into it, I just felt hopeful. Um, So I was okay going into that weight and thinking it was going to be one to three years. Mm -hmm. And then 15 days pass and we get a call on our, now son, um, and basically pack our bags, drive immediately to the hospital. Can't see him till the following day, but that is how fast everything happened. And that is when crazy. it was crazy, when I say like <laughs> blessing after blessing people, I've never seen people truly be the hands and feet of Jesus in a way like this. Cause we had, I mean, you can read my book. We had nothing. I it's, was going to say, did you even terrible. have clothes, a car seat? I had <laughs> no clothes, no, no place for this baby to sleep, not a car seat to take him home from oh, the hospital, yes. nothing. And in a matter of days, I had more, I had enough for twins. I I will say that that I really did. I had enough for twins and it was just, it was just blessing after. And I I'd say probably a big reason I wrote my book because I, I went to the hospital with this spiral bound notebook. I was writing down everything that was happening because I just, I knew I would forget because everything was happening so fast. And I just wanted my son as he grew to know, you know, just how much God loved him and how much he was looking after him before he was born, while he was born, how he brought our family together in all these ways. And so that spiral bound notebook turned into a paperback book. (laughs) So I love that. I also love that like timing is just so beautiful because, you know, like you said, it took you a lot longer to even get on board with adoption. And had you maybe gotten on board much sooner, you could have had a different case presented to you. Oh, definitely. I mean, so many I know, unknowns. Yeah, I know I struggled because we started looking into adoption. Sorry, I started looking yeah. into adoption <laughs> last April and yeah. it took my husband until November. So that's okay. like not, I don't know, seven months. And yeah, yeah. my aunt would always say to me, she would be like, well, maybe it's God, you know, trying to align you guys for the right time for the right situation. And he's taking a longer time so that when you are ready, it's the right time. Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that just helped me calm down or yeah. <laughs> I think it's that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful story. Okay. So you had, you, you 
your son in 15 days, basically. 15 days, and yeah. then you enjoyed a year, two years with him? Yeah. When he was about a year and a half, um, we knew we wanted to start the process all over again. Um, this time we ended up working with an adoption um, attorney. Um, but yeah, we started the process and very early on, I found out I was pregnant and this came as a huge surprise because before choosing on adoption, we, after that last IUI failed, we had stopped all infertility treatments. So, um, not that anyone, like I said, not that anyone has ever told me I couldn't get pregnant, but it was just the furthest thing from my mind. We're just, we're adopting now. We, you know, we adopted our first son. We're starting this journey all over again and I get pregnant and I go to my first doctor's appointment to find out that it resulted in a very early miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, at that time I was just, I was just left confused because I was like, you know, God worked in ways that I won't understand. He changed my heart so drastically that I didn't even quote unquote, need a pregnancy. You know, I was excited again when people were pregnant. I didn't have secret urges. And like I said, that's just a testament to God. So why was he giving me this very surprised joy and taking it away so quickly? And so we were confused. It was a hard time, obviously. Um, and about four months had passed and we did not stop the adoption journey even when we found out we were pregnant because we felt like that's what we were supposed to do anyway. And then a pregnancy didn't change that. So four months pass and we get a call about an expectant mother. Um, she's very sure of adoption. She's very sure of us. She said nothing at all could change her mind. This was definitely what she needed to do. Um, and long story short, we waited two days in the hospital and that match resulted in a, at the time they called it failed match. Now they call it disrupted match. Honestly, I don't like either of those terms and maybe I'm being picky, but um, in a perfect world, I don't think adoption needs to happen or in a perfect world, adoption wouldn't need to happen. And I say that obviously as an adoptive mom who is very pro-adoption, a huge advocate for adoption, um, but I'm also an advocate for family preservation and now just kind of growing in the adoption world and just trying to become more educated and listening to adult adoptees. You know, adoption just always carries this trauma, whether the child is adopted as an infant or as a teenager, there's trauma that's going to be part of their story. So with this baby, although I loved this baby so, so, so much, I saw this baby in our family and whatnot, I had prayed for the last two days in that hospital. And I remember praying this prayer on repeat that God, your will be done. Your will be done. I didn't even share it with Zach, not, not even trying to hide it, but I remember just praying that on repeat. And in the end, I was heartbroken in losing someone who was never mine to begin with, you know? And I just, there was a lot of peace that came in that because God just allowed me to rest in knowing that this baby was able to escape some trauma that he may have otherwise had. This mother was able to parent her baby and escape some of the trauma she might have 
had. And it honestly, it was just a big jumble of sorrow and joy all intertwined. I mean, as confusing as I'm making it sound right now and not, not making it sound very good, that it's just, it was confusing. It's hard to put into words, but that's kind of what adoption is in a nutshell. You know, it's sorrow, joy, pain, beauty, all coinciding. You said it so perfectly. I'm in a group of eight, eight other women that are in our adoption agency, you know, just waiting, okay, to, yeah. waiting to match. And, you know, some of them have gone through disrupted adoption. Some of them have, have had miscarriages. And, you know, yeah. in my situation, like you said, I got pregnant literally the same day we went active and That's, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Isn't that mind blowing? <laughs> it's so That's mind so blowing, especially yeah. with the timing. And, you know, there's another girl now in the group that's gotten pregnant and we're, we're all struggling with like just the whole adopt adoptee triad of like, okay, like let's learn, let's try to figure right. out what's the best thing for each, each family. But, um, that you said it perfectly, yeah. especially from just my limited experience in the oh. adoptive world. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so we're in a confusing jumble of confusion. Um, and then exactly seven days later, we get the call on our now second son. Mm. So that is how, once again, how fast everything happened. Um, this time, thankfully, we had a car seat to take him home from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> we had a bed. We had some clothes for him. He was another boy. So, you know, yeah. he had his brother's clothes. So but both, yeah, so seven days later. That, so both was, of these boy. matches, are they close to where you live or did you have... Yes. Travel. Those last two were very close to where we live. Our first, we traveled like around three hours or so out of state, but relatively speaking, they were all yeah. pretty close. That's great. Um, you have to, didn't have to get a hotel. You have to grieve that so fast though. Like that you do. Days. Oh my goodness. That is, oh, really it was it's like such a quick turnaround. So quick. Yeah. And it was honestly looking back, something that I think helped in that process. Mm -hmm. We later found out that that expectant mother, the first one, um, she had never told anyone about her pregnancy. And so looking back, I feel like it was just so neat that God matched us up because if he didn't, she would have had no one praying for her the entire, like we knew about her a couple weeks before. So we were praying for her several weeks before she gave birth. We were praying for her right down the hall you know, the entire time that she was in labor, going through delivery. And if we hadn't have known, she would have had no one. And I just, I think that really helped bring comfort. Um, just knowing that, you know, as hard as that was, I would go through it all over again, just because I know that, you know, she was on our mind. We were praying. She had someone even, even if she didn't know it. Although that's she did, so, that's so beautiful. It, but, um, so, that's yeah. So now we have. So now there were two, mm -hmm. and then 2020 came in with a bang and gave us a nice virus that put the whole world on lockdown. Um, but 2020 gave me my first pregnancy that went all three trimesters, gave us our third son, um, and then. In November of this past year, I also gave birth to our fourth. So those were two very, wow. very surprised pregnancies, very close together. So they were very much a surprise, not planned, because um, they're only 15 months apart. So 
That's insane. Yeah. And, and the, and like your, your OB, like no one, did they, they just, you just got pregnant and it was great and it was uneventful. She was shocked. Yeah. I mean, she's like, so like, she didn't even know, you know, she was like, we're now, were you doing infertility treatments? She didn't even realize. And I was like, no, I don't know where this came from. This is like out of the blue. Wow. So yeah. So our third was obviously a surprise, but I was like, well, that's probably just a like a flu. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then when this, I, I was like, no, you've got to be kidding me. This no. is not, there is no way. <laughs> That's so funny. You said that my family, like my whole family is like convinced. Cause you know, everyone, there's always that like, well, whenever you're done trying or you've adopted babies and you'll just get pregnant and so right. Yeah. Still like convinced that that's going to happen. Yes. So, yeah. Go crazy. Especially back to back like that. Back to back. Yeah. And I found out ironically on our fourth son, I found out on April fool's day. (laughs) It was, we had put the boys to bed and it was one normally bedtime actually goes pretty well. Like they go to sleep, they've got their routine, whatever. And this was just a night that nothing was going right. I mean, no one wanted to sleep. Everyone was like crying. It was just not good. We finally got them to sleep. And we're on the couch and I didn't even have a cute Pinterest way to tell them. I just look at them. I'm like, I know it's April Fool's. This is not an April Fool's Day joke, but I am pregnant. We're doing this again. They're going to be so close in age. I was like, oh no, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh. And your husband, in in the book, he just sounds so supportive of all of it. He is. He's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was happy. He was like, oh, Leanne, we were so irresponsible. We were not responsible. <laughs> because it's like four boys. That was four boys. Yeah. And so then I think he just looked at me and realized, you know, he's talking to his very hormonal pregnant wife. He's got to throw in some positives. So he's like, babies are a blessing. Babies are a blessing. But, oh, we were so irresponsible. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> so that's, what is that? Five months, five months postpartum? Well, yeah, because they're only 15 months apart. Oh, yeah, like and our oldest. Now. I was going to say, that's Amanda yeah. right now. Like my baby oh. just turned five months yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Chris. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So funny. That's, I mean, that's yeah. amazing. It is a blessing. It's amazing. It is a blessing, but it was crazy. And it is crazy. Our, our life is constantly just state of chaos around here. Because my oldest is five. So I have five, three one and five months. So, okay. Yeah. So my next, or yeah, my next question, yeah, my next question was going to be like, how do you, cause it, are they, they're both, they're not both open adoption, right? But they're, they, pretty- they are, they're, they're open to the point where this, our second son, I like text her frequent, like we text on and off throughout the year and send pictures and updates and stuff. Um, my first son it's left open. It's just, the balls in her court kind of thing. I don't want to, you know, in fringe, I'm kind of waiting for her more to reach out, but she knows that it's an open one. So, so, cause I was going to ask, how does that conversation go with, you know, four kids in the house and trying to explain it, but they're, they're all still so very young. We've talked, are you talking about like talking about adoption and stuff to them? Yeah. 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 We've been very open with our boys from the beginning. So like they know their names. We, when we pray for them at nighttime, like they'll pray for them by name. Um, we have pictures on the fridge or, you know, if it's someone's birthday, we'll sing happy birthday and they'll, my second or my, yeah, my second son will be like, Oh, can we, we send this to my birth mom? She'll really like this. She'll really like this. And I'm like, yeah, let's send it to her. So, um, they're very, 
they're very open about I love that. About it, so. I've heard in some families, like when there's um, biological children and adopted children, where the um, biological children are very jealous that they don't have birth. You know, oh, the story. Have, yeah. Like, why don't we get a visit with our birth parents? And it's, right. Yeah, I can see that happening. Very competitive. Yeah, those will be some confusing conversations probably that come. For, so. well, for us, we had um, we had just kind of started our nursery when we decided to adopt, not oh, anything yeah. big, but we started getting books and they're yeah. all adoption books, like oh. all adoption books. Yeah. So I was telling my husband, I was like, okay, we're going to have to make sure that we yeah. divide these appropriately because there's going to be a lot of confusion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, mom, what's this? Yeah, what? What does this mean? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Well, I mean, I was going to say, you're you're probably not going to pursue adoption, probably not pursuing a natural pregnancy anymore. Like, four is enough. Four is good. If God leads us to um, adoption, we'll, you know, we're open to that. But right now we're managing chaos and we'll see how, (laughs) we'll see how things go. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Is there anything, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Is there anything that you would want to share specific about adoption for a I know a lot of our listeners are either actively pursuing adoption or kind of in the, in the spot where they, they don't feel like pursuing a, like a natural pregnancy or, or biological children and they, they're wanting to move on, but they don't know how to do that. Would you have any advice for someone kind of on the, the fence of wanting to move forward with adoption, but not knowing how to? Yeah, I would say try to find someone that you can connect with who has gone that route. Um, For us, I know it was just a totally foreign concept. Even when we were on board and wanted to do it, we just had no idea where to start, what to do, who to call. I mean, there's only so much a Google search can do. It can point you to an agency, but it doesn't really help give you a one-on-one like, here's some advice, here's what we did. So I would I would search out, you know, friend, mine came from a friend of a friend of a friend. There were three friends removed. I did not know this person, but I knew of her through friends. And I just asked questions. I probably sounded stupid. I was like, I I have so many questions. I don't understand what I'm doing. Can you just kind of help me out? And it was, it's just good to have a community of that where you can build on. And I, I think, you know, Instagram, I didn't have Instagram. I say back then it wasn't that long ago, but I'm just like, whatever. I don't know Instagram. if I did. Yeah. That might've been like, <laughs> I don't first, know. Yeah. Right. At the beginning of like Instagram. I Probably. Think. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people like adult adoptees and stuff that you can follow and just, I would say become educated, um, about it, going into it, seek, seek help, seek, seek guidance. It's better to ask than just to, no one expects you to know everything right off the bat. So ask, ask the questions. I think just the importance of loving our birth mothers is a big one. And first, I just want to say, I think there has to be a lot of grace in this area for everyone. Cause I will be the first to admit that before we set out to adoption, um, and before I even became even somewhat educated on the subject, I did not feel the way I felt now. My heart and my whole perspective on adoption is just drastically different having walked this path. Um, But since we've we've adopted, I've just become very protective of our birth mothers. Um, I never wanted to hear a single bad word spoken about them. Um, And when we first adopted, I don't, Kat, I don't know if this is true for you, but I would get comments like, 
you know, what would make someone do that? They must've been on a lot of drugs. Child will be better off with you. Um, how could they just give up their child? I mean, I, I got those comments all the time from, and I will say from well-meaning people, they weren't, they were just not, I don't know. They just obviously rubbed me the wrong way. (laughs) And through our personal adoption and hopefully through my book, God's just kind of allowed me to be able to help inform people on a, how unloving those statements are. Like there's not an ounce of love in any of those statements by saying that doesn't help. Um, but B just simply how not, how it's not true. Um, and I think as adoptive moms, we have a big job. I think, um, we've got a lot of work to do to change this negative stigma that's often attached to birth mothers. And I mean, and I'll be honest, there are genuinely circumstances where birth parents have made poor decisions leading up to pregnancy, um, or during pregnancy. But as difficult as that is, I think as adoptive parents, we need to rise above that perception that, you know, only aims to shame the birth parents. We need to find the good, even if we have to dig down deep to find it, because, you know, the child is the only one who's going to be harmed. If they grow up to feel like they came from a woman who didn't love them, didn't want them. I mean, that doesn't help anyone that that's where you get the trauma. You know, that's where that all. Yeah. And I think the whole, and you'll know maybe more Leanne than I will, but the whole, um, I guess, perception on that changed when a lot of, a lot more agencies are now a hundred percent open adoption. Like you don't have an option to do closed adoption anymore. Yes. That is so true. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And I think, you know, for me, like you were saying, you didn't feel this way when you first started, when I first started and all of these agencies that I would kind of sign up with the very first line was like, please do not apply if you're not open to open adoption. Yeah. And at first I didn't understand. And, and these are the comments that I get a lot because I'm very open about open adoption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I know Amanda, you have an open adoption um, with yeah. your, your donor. Um, but a lot of them is like, well, so they can just tell your tell, they can raise your children. They can, you know, the birth mother right. can make these decisions and it's, it's not that at all. It's just no. an additional part of your family. Your and, family, and- your family just grew. It didn't grow by a baby or by a child. It grew by a whole new extended family. And I think that's beautiful. It's not anything that's, you know, something to put, it's just so sad that it has this shame or at least it did. I mean, hopefully that's getting better, but that it had that shame attached to it. And I honestly, I think it's equally important to be honest with your kids at age appropriate Mm -hmm. intervals. You know, it's okay if there were mistakes made, it's okay to say your birth parents made mistakes. We all make mistakes. I ask my kids for forgiveness, like on the daily. I mean, I'm constantly making mistakes. So, but it really just, uh, leads perfectly, I think, into a lesson on the gospel. You know, I feel like as, as a believer, you know, Christ is my only source of true and complete happiness. So unless someone has that, I mean, they're going to be searching forever, which often leads you to search in wrong places, making poor decisions. If, you know, so trying to find that happiness and it just leads to an opportunity where you can pray with your child for them or pray for them, even if you don't know much about them. You know, even if it was a situation where you, you're left with not much more information, it's like you can still pray. Yeah. You can still and pray I, and you can still find the good. 
I, I like what you said, you know, before just doing the education as an adoptive mother yes. still, yeah. you know, years and years down the, the line, I just pulled it up, but I started following, it's called join brave love on Instagram. I don't know. Okay. If I don't know if them. I know that one. Yeah. It's the whole adoptive triad. They mostly have birth mothers speaking, um, about their experience, but they also have like the adult adoptee. And then of course they have adop adoptive mothers, but oh, it's really that. neat. Yeah. They do like, um, coffee happy hours for only birth moms or okay, coffee yeah. happy hours. And it's really neat. I've just, Oh, that's so really much. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've just learned so much and just the online community. There's so many resources now. So many. Yes. There is. I think can, that's great. Yeah. You can hear and you can listen. And I think the, the biggest thing is you can listen from adult adoptees that have been through it themselves right. and it's their perspective. And it's not just like what we as adoptive moms or yeah. Or, or want to be adoptive moms, you know, it's not just our own experience. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think it's awesome that social media has gotten to that point where, you know, you can hear from all these voices. I think it's important. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And I know for us, so ours is open as well. And so he has biological siblings. And so we, oh, okay. it's really cool because we get to now, obviously he's only five months old, but in our contract once a year, we will all meet. So he'll get to grow oh, up that's with awesome. his siblings um, and just know like the culture and know different things that, you know, my husband and I didn't grow up with. And so he still gets right. to experience that and have that, um, even though he's not like living in the same home. Uh, so how, how does that work for you? Like, have you met them? Have you met uh, them? So no, we like through zoom. Yes. Oh, okay. Not, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Cause it was probably like during, you know, it was like in the COVID, of all this stuff. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. but we will meet once they they live in a different state. So there's technically okay. three families. Um, and so we will, um, just meet in person once a year and then we're in, we send pictures and we, I mean, we talk once a week. So, oh, that's awesome. That is so, yeah, I knew nothing really about that, but yeah. Um, now I know of two people who are doing it. So it's just, oh, really? kinda, okay. yeah. Yeah. But I, at my time, I, I had no, I actually, I think our agency called it snowflake adoption. Is that yeah, still a term or still, is that a term that yeah, that's still a term mm -hmm. some people use? I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's so awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? Um, trying to. <laughs> I don't think so. you can follow me on um, social media. I'm at Sewing in Tears book. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, also, if email if you. I'm have. assuming is still available. Sorry, say that again. Your book is still available for yes, purchase. It's, it's available on Amazon. Yes. And really I'm an open book. I think probably the greatest things that came in writing this book is just being able to connect with other women who have walked a similar path that I did. And I just love, I mean, it's not a bother to me at all reaching out. I love to hear from other women and meeting other women and just kind of sharing our stories and building community that way. So reach out if you have any questions. I'm an open book, quite literally. Yeah, I, I found Leanne okay. on, was it, was it called the adoption guide podcast? Yes. Yeah. Infant, infant adoption Inf guide infant or something adoption like that. Guide. Yeah. It was like every morning I would turn it on and I would listen oh. to an episode <laughs> and I got the one with Leanne and I found her and she sent me her book and autographed it. And I read it in one sitting. Um, <laughs> We didn't get to talk about it and I won't go into it, but my absolute favorite is, which is something my husband and I have implemented is your, I don't want to call it the war room, but oh, where yeah. you, you guys found a spot in your house that was yeah. very private and small and oh, that's kind of awesome. created your prayer yeah. room. And yes, it was. 
There's a we have one right under there. our staircase and it's like, you got to like go behind the closet. So that's exactly where mine was. The hot water heater took up half the space in it, but it's, yeah. It's so special. That's and you awesome. know, yeah, she just goes into a ton more detail in her book. I would highly, highly recommend getting it. Um, we'll tag it in the show notes and everything. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was yeah. so great meeting you guys and talking yeah. to you. And I think it's great what you're doing, just opening the door to a subject that, like I said earlier, I guess in the beginning, just too often get swept under the rug. I think it's so important for people going through it. Just brings hope. So you guys are doing great. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you.